Hello and good day. This is the Bible Bard. A bard is a storyteller who recites traditional texts associated with a particular oral tradition. And I'm here to recite and to amplify what the literature of the Bible says about who is God and who are human beings. This is the place we're at today. The book of Job is controversial in both the date assigned to its original publication and the story that makes up its content. As said before, the Bible Bar is not here to dispute or defend the biblical text. We have textual evidence that this is the first book of the Bible, written before the five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That evidence includes the language itself in which the story was composed, a very ancient and archaic Hebrew. Of course, Bible skeptics argue against an early date because an early date would make Job compete with other ancient texts for the priority of place, which came first. Setting aside the book's date of composition, the meaning of the story in the book of Job is also disputed. As listeners to this podcast know, the Bible Bard uses the methods of literary analysis to understand any text. Simple questions about the story like who, what, when, how, and why are answered, and a literary understanding of what any paragraph in the text is saying is used. While the Bible is a holy book because it tells us who God is, it is also literature because it tells us about human beings. It does not require secret instructions or mystical templates to be understood. Run away from anyone who claims that you lack training, secret information known only to them, or a theological or ideological framework that they possess and you do not have before you can understand a biblical text. The Bible is literature. Of course you can understand it using the simple methods and tools used to understand any story. This does not mean that all stories are the same. Some stories can be more complicated, even convoluted, than others. Plots can be simple or complex. Characters can be fully developed or sketchy. Nevertheless, even if we may have to work at it a bit, the stories of literature are meant to communicate an author's thought or message and can be understood, including the stories of the Bible. However, for theologians and the religiously inclined, the book of Job is a dilemma. The book opens, the book opens with a literary device that puts God and the devil in a discussion about a single person named Job. The first discussion. In this first discussion, God says that Job is righteous, but Satan contends he only behaves in a righteous manner because of what he gets from God, safety, security, health, and prosperity. God and Satan make a bargain or bet about what will happen if Job loses everything God has given him. Satan asserts that Job will, quote, curse God to his face, unquote. See Job chapter 1, God takes the bet. Then the scene shifts to earth, where in a series of four devastating blows, the devil attacks Job's things, all his stuff. Here's what happens. One thing happens after another. A messenger comes to Job to tell him that the Sabians have carried off Job's oxen and donkeys and killed all the herdsmen except him. You see this in Job chapter 1, verse 14. As he is speaking, a second messenger arrives and tells Job that, quote, the fire of God fell from the sky and burned up the sheep and the servants, unquote. See Job 1, verse 15. 
As he is speaking, the next messenger arrives and says that the Chaldeans, quote, swept down on your camels and carried them off. See Job chapter 1, verse 17b. While he is speaking, the final messenger arrives and explains that, quote, your sons and daughters were feasting when a mighty wind swept in from the desert and knocked the house down, which killed Job's grown children. Well, Job's response is, quote, the Lord gave and the Lord is taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Job 1, 21. Then the narrator states, quote, In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. See Job chapter 1, verse 22. So the first round of this bet in the story goes to God. The second discussion. In chapter 2, the narrator then takes us back to this next meeting between God and Satan. God tells Satan, quote, And he, Job, still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason, unquote. Job chapter 2, verse 3d. To which Satan replies, quote, Skin for skin, stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face, unquote. See Job chapter 2 verse 4. The scene in the story then shifts back to the earth, where Job is afflicted with, quote, painful sores from the soles of his feet to the top of his head, unquote. When Job's wife says, we think Satan speaking through here, quote, curse God and die, unquote, Job responds, quote, shall we accept good from God and not trouble, unquote. Job 2, verse 10b. And the narrator again states, quote, In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. Unquote. See Job 2, verse 10c. In the story, three friends of Job show up to comfort him while he's sitting afflicted in an, uh, a pile of ashes. Their names, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. In the text, each one speaks in turn, and Job responds through 31 chapters. Essentially, the arguments of Job's friends and his responses deal with a very simple proposition. They believe God blesses and keeps the righteous, making them safe and prosperous, and God's wrath is against the unrighteous who suffer and are punished. Therefore, his friends conclude that Job needs to repent of whatever unrighteous thing he has done so that God will again bless him. Job disagrees, claiming he has done nothing wrong for which God should punish him. Human life on earth, with all its vicissitudes, is discussed in detail in these chapters, but the dialogue between Job and his friends ends in a stalemate. Job's friends insisting that he must have sinned based on the evidence of his suffering, and Job insisting he has not sinned against God, but is still righteous. Then comes in a new, uh, a new friend, a, a guy named Elihu. His argument is different from that of the three friends. Elihu's argument contains elements of the prosperity, proves righteousness argument of the three friends, but Elihu adds a new element. He posits a God who is distant, away from human beings, doing God things, a person who's unaffected by human activities, whether good or bad. And he says, quote, the Almighty is beyond our reach 
and exalted in power. Unquote. Job 37, verse 23. Comment. This is what we would call a deist god, or the god of deism. The arrival of God happens now in chapter 38, and God begins to dialogue with Job. And God details the difference between deity and humanity with questions to Job like, quote, where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? He, Job 38, verse 4. God discusses the difference between his knowledge, for example, of the animal kingdom, and Job's knowledge. Job finally replies, quote, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes, unquote. See Job 42, verses 2, 5, and 6. The book ends with God setting up Job as priest for his three friends to offer sacrifice so that God will forgive them their remarks. Then God restores Job's prosperity, and the book says, quote, gave him twice as much as he had before, unquote. The story of Job comes, is written before the books of Moses. It describes a time in human history before the Jewish law and after the universal Genesis flood, when human beings lived as they do now, some with knowledge of God and others without. Job suffers in this life, even though he is righteous regarding his relationship with God. The narrator uses the literary device of a bet about Job between God and the devil to give us a background for Job's suffering. But that isn't anything but a literary device. We can see that bad things happen to good people, and we don't know why. Their misfortune might as well have been caused by something as absurd as a heavenly bet. This is the genius of the storyteller. The first point in the book of Job is that Job's answers to human suffering and loss are wise. He says, quote, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And he says, quote, shall we accept good from God and not trouble, unquote. When you and I suffer, may our attitude be like Job's. The second point of the book is made in the alternative reason for suffering given by Elihu. He says, God doesn't care. God has set the world in motion. His rules for the righteous and the wicked are operational, but God himself is distant from human concerns. Because in the end of the story, God does not even mention Elihu or his uh, impersonal God, uh, we know that Elihu's philosophy is incorrect. In the story, God asserts his personal relationship with Job and with Eliphaz, Bildab, and Zophar. As readers, we understand that Elihu and his deist idea is completely wrong and even wicked. These two teachings, that God is personal and that suffering can happen regardless of your righteousness, these two teachings come out of the book of Job. There is a positive teaching also about how we should respond to suffering in our lives. There is a negative teaching that should make us flee from anyone, any church or religion that describes a God who's impersonal with a mechanical system set up to judge human actions. A God who is too busy being God to be concerned about you 
in your life. The Bible's assertion from the first book of Job through the last book of Revelation is that God is completely absorbed with his creation and intimately involved with the lives of each and every person, place, and thing every second of time. How intimate is it when we read what Jesus says about people? Quote, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. See John 6, verse 37. This is the way the Bible Bard works. Brief recitations closely focused. No distractions. No rabbit trails. Follow the Bible Bard on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Send the Bible Bard any questions or remarks you care to offer to BibleBardUS at gmail.com. Glad to hear from you.